Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Fullmetal Alchemist by Hiromu Arakawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kazum. And today we're going to be discussing chapters 20, 21, and 22. Woo! Because I still hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, hating yourself just a little bit is the key to eventual success. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have to walk the fine line of being proud of yourself and hating yourself. Yeah. Is that a lesson that I go over in these chapters? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what... One is all, all is one means. <laughs> that's what, uh, yeah, that's what part of Izumi's teachings. It may not have been uh, covered explicitly in the text, but definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you don't hit yourself a little bit, did you really try? <laughs> <laughs> These are not good life lessons. For <laughs> you should love yourself in whatever. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. I would know. Obviously, I love myself, question mark. And whatever. <laughs> and whatever. Could have put, put that as like a cross-stitch pillow pattern. It's like a cross-stitch pillow pattern. Yes. Love yourself and, and whatever. whatever. <laughs> Good self-esteem. I have that. <laughs> you can get that at the store, right? Yeah. Store-bought is fine. That's what Ina Garten said. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. <laughs> Full of good advice today. <laughs> Although we were also telling people to drink away the pain a couple episodes ago, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I endorse none of our advice. Yes, it's, There's it's a reason I put explicit on all of our things. <laughs> it's like our advice is don't listen to our advice. <laughs> our advice is we're talking about a we're discussing a, a work of literature, not giving personal advice. <laughs> yes. Speaking of, <laughs> anyway, we'll be doing our. Uh... Or a summary recap and then uh, going into discussion as we always do. Yay! So I hope you did the reading. I did. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I swear. I did too, by the way. <laughs> it's a little slow. I don't know if I believe it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's questionable. <laughs> I guess we'll find out based on the quality of discussion. <laughs> yes. I'm marking you for participation, Cosm, just so you know. <laughs> Chapter 20 opens with a flashback of baby Ed peering into his father's study at night. We don't see the man's face as he reads by lamplight at his desk. Ed's narration reads, When I think back to my earliest memories, the first thing I ever see is that man. I have little to no memory of that man, who was an alchemist, ever doing anything for me as a parent. The day that man left, I asked my mom what happened, and she smiled sadly and said, There's nothing that can be done about it. Even though she kept her feelings hidden, I know that she cried when she was alone. It wasn't long after that that mom became ill and left this world. Back in the present, the big man from the butcher shop recognizes the nervous Ed, aggressively reaches for him, and pats him fondly on the head. <laughs> Good to see you, he says. You've gotten big. He also pats Al on the head when he realizes who it is, which delights Al. That's the first time I've gotten a pat on the head since I became a suit of armor, he thinks happily. <laughs> the man asks why the sudden visit, and Ed tells him they had a question for their teacher. So the man, I'm just going to start calling him Sig now. I, his ahead. name doesn't get shown for a while, but I don't want to call him the big man for the <laughs> entire time. You don't? I'm amused. Sig asks Mason to watch the shop and leads the boys around the house to see their teacher. Sig leans into an open window. Hey, Azumi, the Elbert kids are here. Can you get up? A woman lying in bed closes her book. I think so. I feel a little better today. Waiting by the door, Ed and Al whisper to each other about their teacher not feeling well. I wonder if she got sick again. Footsteps echo within the house, and then the door slams open as a foot kicks out with enough force to send Ed flying backward. Well, if it isn't my fool of an apprentice, Izumi says, as Al cowers, trying to stay out of sight beside the door. <laughs> I hear a lot of rumors about you, even out here in Dublin. So you stoop so low as to become a dog in the military, have you? Well, 
but Ed is a little too unconscious to answer. <laughs> so she turns her attention to Al, who is trying to sneak away. <laughs> he nervously reintroduces himself to her, and Izumi smiles and extends her hand. Al, you've gotten so big. Al relaxes a little and returns the handshake, only to be immediately flipped by Izumi, mm -hmm. landing with a crash on his back. You've let yourselves get weak, Izumi scolds. Al shakily says that he thought she wasn't feeling well, which Izumi scoffs at. What are you talking about? You think after you two came all this way, I'd just stay in bed? And then blood immediately spurts from her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Sig is immediately at her side. I told you not to strain yourself. Here's your pills, dear. I don't know what I'd do without you, Izumi says. They emotionally embrace, hearts and flowers buffeting at and Al as they look on. <laughs> Nervously, they try again. Maybe we should start over, Al suggests. And Ed says, nice to see you again. Izumi smacks the back of Ed's head with a laugh. Welcome back, she says. <laughs> Zumi has the greatest introduction in the series, I think. <laughs> I'm already in love with her. She's already a yeah. wonderful character. And I want her to be my teacher. <laughs> I want her to give me life the life advice that we so, so, we so sorely yes. need. Yes. <laughs> they all sit down to tea, and the boys ask their teacher about the Philosopher's Stone. Izumi says she never had any interest in it, and asks why they want to research something that's just a legend. Ed nervously insists it's just intellectual curiosity. Sig reminds Izumi that they met an alchemist who seemed to know a lot about the stone on their last trip to Central. Oh yeah, that guy, she says. Let's see. I think he called himself Hohenheim. Ed and Al both visibly react to this name. What was he like? Al asks urgently, leaning forward. Izumi describes him. Tall, blonde hair, glasses, and a beard. And Al breathes, so he's alive. Izumi asks if they know him, and Al looks away. He's our father. <laughs> Izumi starts to mention that he might still be in Central, but Ed finally cuts in. That guy, he says, looking down with gritted teeth and a clenched fist. That guy is the last person I want to ask for help. Zumi and Sig look startled at this reaction, and Al awkwardly asks if their father said anything about the stone. He said that his lifelong dream was about to come true, Izumi says. He seemed pretty happy about it. Later, everyone, except for Al, is enthusiastically eating dinner <laughs> while the boys regale everyone with tales from their journey. We catch the tail end of a retelling of the Usewell Mine incident, and Mason notes that the boys seem to get into a lot of danger. Al insists it's not always like that, and Ed eagerly adds that they just got to see a baby being born in Rush Valley. That's right, teacher. We helped deliver a baby, Al says. Izumi calmly drinks her tea, but Sig and Mason suddenly look uneasy as Ed and Al enthusiastically talk about the birth. Human beings are born with the blessings of everyone around them, Al says, and Izumi smiles. That's right, she says. That's how you guys were born, too. Be proud of your own lives. Ed then innocently asks why Izumi doesn't have any kids yet. Some emotion crosses her face, but Mason quickly and loudly interrupts the conversation. Hey, Ed, he says, standing. Uh, well, I bet your alchemy skills have gotten a lot better since the last time I saw you two, right? Maybe you guys can show me how much you've improved. Ed and Al are eager to do so, quickly switching to bragging to their teacher about how much research and training they've been doing and hurrying everyone outside so they can show it off. As they leave, Sig looks over to Izumi with concern, but she assures him she's fine. So they saw a life being born, she says with a smile. That was a good experience for those kids. Outside, everyone watches as Al draws his transmutation circle and then uses it to create a large horse sculpture from the ground. Izumi praises him for his speed and accuracy, and then Ed eagerly steps up to take his turn. He puts his hands together, which Izumi instantly and unhappily takes note of, and then creates a much tackier horse sculpture, <laughs> rearing up on its hind legs with wings, horns, and fangs. Ed and Al bicker over their aesthetics for a bit while Izumi looks on with a frown. She cuts in to ask Ed to confirm he can work alchemy without a circle, and then says, Don't lie to me. You've seen that thing, haven't you? His eyes go wide. What, what do you... He starts to say, but Izumi cuts him off and again says, You saw it, didn't you? He looks down, clenches his fist. Yes, I did. I should have expected that from a genius who became a state alchemist at your age, she says, still frowning. I'm no genius, Ed says, looking away. I just saw that thing is all. Sig and Al look on in confusion, and Ed realizes something. Teacher, you mean you've... Mrs. Curtis! The tense conversation is interrupted by a gaggle of kids calling out for Izumi. 
They come running over, giving Sig a wide berth, which makes him sad. It's not his fault he has a scary face. <laughs> the kids broke their toy train, and they want Izumi to fix it. She goes inside to get some tools, but they want her to just fix it right away with alchemy. You shouldn't depend on alchemy for everything, she says. Try to fix whatever you can with your own hands. The kids complain, but then happily laugh and thank her when the toy is fixed, scampering off to continue playing. Then a little girl also comes calling for Izumi. She asks if she also broke something, but the little girl shakes her head. She's holding a kitten in her arms, lying much too still. Chico won't move, she says. Please fix her. Izumi kneels down and gently takes the kitten, feeling for a heartbeat. I'm sorry, she's already dead. Is she broken? The little girl asks. Mrs. Curtis, please fix Chico. You can fix anything, right? Izumi takes her hand and gently tells her, A life is not an object, and I'm not God. She puts the little girl's hand to Chico's still heart, and then her own still beating one. Chico had a life, just like you do, but Chico's life has stopped and will never return. The girl begins to cry. I don't get it. I mean, until yesterday. Izumi smiles gently. I can't give Chico back her life, but I can make her a grave, okay? After a funeral for Chico and seeing the little girl back to her mother, Izumi talks to Ed and Al again. Anything that is alive will one day die, and its body will return to the earth, which in turn makes the flowers and grass grow. In the same way, our souls become nourishment for the people around us, and live on through the memories of those we loved. Everything in this world has a flow, including human lives. I came to accept that long ago, but it's hard to explain to a child. Teacher, Ed says, have you ever wanted to bring someone back to life? Yes, Izumi answers simply. Ed, are you ever glad that you're a dog in the military? He looks down. I... I don't know when they'll command me to become a human weapon. I'm scared of doing that. Even so, you joined the military because you needed the resources, didn't you? Ed looks determined. There's something that I have to do. Ed kicks him again, knocking him down. You little brat, don't be so arrogant when you know you've disobeyed my teachings. She turns her attention to Al. Inside that armor, you're empty, right? She says to his shock. And Ed, you're using automail, aren't you? They start to ask how she knew, but she cuts them off. I felt it earlier when I threw you, and Ed, your left and right footsteps sound different. Did you think I wouldn't notice? Don't insult me like that, you fools. And as the sun sets behind them, she asks, what happened to you? Tell me everything. Chapter 21 picks up with Izumi's question repeating. Ed and Al look down as little glimpses of flashbacks cut the pages. Their father leaving, Winry learning her parents died in Ishval, their mother on her deathbed, Ed clutching at the bleeding stump of his missing leg, and Roy handing Ed his state alchemist certification. Where should I begin? Ed asks. We begin pretty far back, it turns out. Ed and Al's mom, who I'm also just going to call Trisha. I can't remember if her name's already been said yet. <laughs> I don't think so, because I totally forgot that until you just said it just now. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So Ed and Al's mom, Trisha, finds the boys, very young, making a mess out of their father's study, digging through alchemy books and copying transmutation circles. She scolds them for doodling on the floor, but they tell her that's not what they're doing, and Ed activates his circle, creating a crude bird figure from the material of the floor. That's alchemy, isn't it? Their mom asks. Did your father teach you that? Little Ed puffs out his cheeks. How can someone who's never even home teach us anything? And Al chimes in that they learned it from a book. Trisha is surprised that they can understand the alchemy books, but she assures them that she's not mad when they ask if they did something bad. I'm really impressed, she says. You boys must take after your father. I'm going to brag about this to everyone. And Ed and Al exchange delighted smiles. Why did we do it? Simple, Ed's narration begins. Mom gave us praise. That was all it took for us to dive headlong into studying alchemy. And we see a series of happy memories of the boys with their mother as they live and learn alchemy and call out for her to see what they can do. Until the day the boys walk into the house to find Trisha collapsed on the floor. At the funeral, while Panako tries to comfort the kids as they sob, the neighbors talk. They say the sickness has been going around. How sad, she left behind two children. But what about her husband? I don't know where he is. We have no way to get in touch with him. Poor kids. Later on, the boys sit in silence in front of their mother's grave. Al starts to complain that he's hungry and cold and that they should go home. 
but Ed doesn't respond. Till eventually he says, In one of the alchemy books I read, they say you can make people with alchemy. They call it a homunculus. It also said that human beings are made up of the mind, the soul, and the physical body. Uh-huh, I read that too, Al says. If that's true, Ed says, I wonder if we can bring Mom back. But it said it's forbidden to create a human being using alchemy, Al says. Yeah, says Ed. That's why it'll be our secret. We didn't think that creating a life was wrong, the narration continues. We just wanted to see our mom smile again. And so the boys begin to study, reading alchemy books during math class and getting in trouble with their teacher, and then staying up all night discussing theory by lamplight in their father's study, which we can now see has a very familiar suit of armor up against the wall. Mm -hmm. They wonder one night why human transmutation is outlawed in the first place, and Al speculates that it's so dangerous that no one can do it and live. Remember how an entire country was destroyed in one night? You mean the story about the philosopher in the eastern desert? Uh-huh, he was trying to create a perfect human being, and instead he wiped out everyone around him. Aw, oh, that's just a fairy tale. Ed thinks adults just made it forbidden because they don't know how to do it. Think about how happy everyone would be if a dead person came back to life. If you and I could live with mom again, she would be happy about it too. Al points out that they still don't know enough about alchemy to do this on their own, and he wonders if their dad would have taught them if he was still around. Ed angrily shuts down the idea. Don't talk about him. He left us and made mom cry. Mom had a hard time raising us on her own. That's why she got sick. He was the one who made her suffer, and when she died, he didn't even bother to come back to her funeral. Still, being self-taught can only take us so far, Al says, and Ed unhappily agrees. Outside, rain begins to fall, becoming a storm, and then becoming absolutely torrential. The townspeople frantically work to shore up the river with sandbags as the water rises, but it floods past the walls faster than they can keep up, and an evacuation call begins to go out. Then, out of nowhere, Zumi appears, striding calmly through the rain and up to the failing flood wall. People yell at her that's not safe and to keep back, but Zumi puts her hands together and places her palm on the ground, starting a huge transmutation that drags up reinforcing walls from the ground to hold back the flood, much to the astonishment of everyone watching, including little Ed now. Sig joins her, holding an umbrella over her head, while she tells the townspeople that that should hold for a while, but they should keep reinforcing it with sandbags just to be safe. Who are you? One of the masks, and Zumi smiles. Just a housewife who is passing by. She then promptly spits up blood, and everyone freaks out and takes her to see the doctor. At the doctor's, everyone is eager to talk to Izumi and thank her for her help and praise her incredible alchemy. You must be one of those state alchemists, right? One asks, but she insists she's just a simple butcher's wife. Meanwhile, Ed and Al come to a quick agreement, then push through the crowd to demand Izumi take them on as her apprentices. This request goes over a little better the second time when they say please and don't call her an old lady, but Izumi <laughs> still refuses them. I don't take apprentices. Besides, I have a shop to run, so I've got to get back to Dublith right away. The boys are not so easily deterred, continuing to beg. Why are you so eager to get good at alchemy anyway, she demands, and after an obvious hesitation, Ed says that they want to help people. She asks if their parents agreed to this, and Panako steps forward to tell her that she's their guardian right now. These boys don't have any parents. This surprises Izumi. She looks down at Ed and Al's determined faces and sighs. I'm too soft, she says. Then, one month. If this is really what they want, let me evaluate these boys for one month of trial training. I need to know that they're worth my time before I take them under my wing. She says that she'll send them right back home if they don't have what it takes, but if they pass, then the real training begins. Granny, Ed announces, we'll be gone longer than a month. That's what I thought you'd say, Panako says with a resigned sigh. You boys take care of yourselves. The next day, Azumi, Sig, and the boys are on the train to Dublin. Ed and Al are super excited, making up a song about training and happily wondering what kind of cool lab and textbooks Azumi must have. Azumi tells them to shut up. <laughs> Eventually, the boys wear themselves out and fall asleep, and Azumi takes off her coat and tucks it over them. I thought you didn't take apprentices, Sig says. Well, I started thinking that if my son were alive, he would have been around their age, she says. Plus, I could see in their eyes that they were serious about wanting to learn alchemy. And behind that desire, I can sense that they've got some other reason, something that they can't tell anyone. 
If they're trying to take the wrong path, isn't it my job as their teacher to put them on the correct one? Sig smiles fondly and remarks that their house is about to get a lot more crowded, but Zumi tells them they won't need to make room for them just yet. I've got the perfect plan, she says with a cunning smile. I'm going to need to borrow a phone at the next stop. When they arrive in Dublith, Izumi takes Zed now straight to the large lake that is the town's main attraction and meets up with the boatman she presumably called from the train station. She tells the boys to leave their luggage behind and get in. They're initially excited about this fun boat ride until Izumi gives them an unsettling smirk. Fun boat ride, she asks, and the boatman laughs. Um, where's this boat taking us? Al asks, a little nervous now. She points to the island at the center of the lake, which she says is called Yawk Island. When they land, she tosses Ed a large knife. This is a deserted island, she says cheerfully. There's no electricity, no wells, not even a house to shelter you from the rain. And no savage beasts either, I hope. The two of you have to survive on this island for one month. Ed and Al look horrified. Oh yeah, Zumi adds, and you absolutely cannot use alchemy during that time. She turns to leave while the boys frantically try to ask what the heck is going on. One is all, all is one, she says. If you can't figure out the meaning of that riddle in one month's time, I'm shipping you back to Rizembul. Then she's waving goodbye from the boat as Ed and Al stare after her in horrified silence. The first night goes poorly. The boys lie in a large pile of leaves and complain that they're hungry and want to sleep on a soft bed. Ed gripes about the meaningless riddle that Azumi gave them, and they spend a moment thinking about it. Then he sits up angrily and screams, What kind of lame alchemy training is this? That lady tricked us! His stomach growls, and he flops back down on the leaves. I'm going to sleep, he grumps. We can worry about finding food in the morning. Later in the night, a rustling sound wakes Ed. He thinks it's Al at first, but his brother is still fast asleep beside him. He looks up and sees a massive hulking figure in a terrifying mask. The figure wields a large club, which he swings aggressively at them while Ed stumbles to drag Al out of the way and yells at him to wake up. This is my island, the masked man says, looming over the boys. All outsiders must die. It was supposed to be abandoned. What is it we doing? No beasts, right? No beasts. Chapter 22 opens at the butcher shop, where Sig and Zumi sharpen knives and discuss child endangerment. Normal couple <laughs> stuff. <laughs> she also threw the knife and he caught it between his fingers. Normal people yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> she assures him that leaving Ed and Al on the island with their riddle is the best way to pound the basics of alchemy into their very bones. If they're not able to learn from this, they aren't worth my time in the first place, she says. But I wouldn't worry too much. They're tenacious. They should be able to complete a simple test like this. Sig clarifies that he was more worried about their lives, but Azumi reminds him that her own apprenticeship saw her alone on Briggs Mountain for a month, complete with a brief flashback image of Azumi facing down an enormous bear in a snowstorm armed only with a knife. <laughs> Don't compare yourself with normal people, Sig says. <laughs> Completely normal people stuff, of course, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's still a little worried, since they're just kids, but Azumi again says they'll be fine. The weather's warm and there's plenty of food once they learn how to find it. It's not like they're going to be torn apart by savage beasts. Cut to Ed and Al, being menaced by a savage beast. <laughs> The masked man attacks again with his club, and the boys barely manage to dodge away. He grabs Al and slams him into a tree trunk, which, made, which makes Ed angry enough to retaliate, landing a kick on the masked man's chin, which seems to have no effect other than making him angrier. Ed runs, looking around for Al and getting upset when it seems like he abandoned him and ran off, but then Al's hand shoots out of the darkness to pull Ed behind a tree, and they sit in cowering silence until the masked man moves on. <laughs> Who was that guy? That was scary! Really scary! Ed and Al complain when the morning comes. What are we going to do? Al asks. What can we do? Ed replies. It's going to be a whole month until they come pick us up. Ed looks up at a tree draped in vines, and with a determined expression, he cuts some fruit with the knife. In any case, we can't fight if we're hungry. They build a snare trap and manage to successfully catch a rabbit, but their enthusiasm for that victory rapidly fades as they realize they now have to kill it. They stare at the adorable rabbit's sad, sad eyes, and then begin to push the knife back and forth at each other to try and pass <laughs> off the dirty work. The rabbit's sad, sad eyes are very charming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
while they bicker, a fox takes advantage of the free food, picking up the trapped rabbit and taking off. Ed and Al give chase back to the fox's den, where they realize it has pups to feed. They seem moved by this, until the pups bloodily tear into the rabbit in front of them. <laughs> Let's forget about rabbits and try to catch some fish, Ed suggests. <laughs> a little later, the boys cast their lines and happily wait. And wait. And wait. Their expressions are exactly the same expression that I make when I go fishing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love the three panels of them, like, going yes. from, like, absolutely delighted to... <laughs> To like moderately interested and then like just soulless at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think foxes are edible? Ed asks, stomach growling. But then they get a bite. They catch the fish, start a fire, cook it up, and then the masked man returns. He chases them off and steals their fish, and the boys are hungry enough that that offense overrides their fear and sees them <laughs> trying to fight back. Eventually, the man pins Ed to a tree trunk by his neck and says again, This is my island. Go away. If we leave, Ed chokes out, we'll never get to learn alchemy. The hand on his neck squeezes harder. In the morning, Ed rinses his shirt out in the lake and complains about his neck hurting and his hunger. He looks out across the water to the distant skyline of Dublin and grows determined. He washes his face and stomps back to land. I won't give up no matter what, he says. With his knife, he begins to mark a tally in the tree trunk. 28 more days. We get a little montage of Ed now surviving, barely, across several days, struggling to catch fish and other food, fighting with the masked man, tending to their injuries, growing more and more miserable. Eventually, we see them sitting under a tiny shelter in the rain, staring out into it with dead-eyed expressions. Mice nibble at the fish bones littered around, and Al slams his hands down in a desperate attempt to catch one. He stays slumped over when he fails. I wonder, Ed says quietly, what would happen if we died here? I don't want to die, Al says miserably. Winry and Granny would be sad. I still have a lot of things I want to do. He grows suddenly angry. What does any of this have to do with alchemy? I'm sick of this. I want to go home. The masked man fights them again. He holds Al by the back of his shirt and yells at Ed to get up and fight. In a desperate fury, Ed pushes himself to his feet and draws his knife, brandishing it at the masked man with shaking hands. He drops Al and walks away, and Ed slumps back to the ground. Later, Ed wakes up beside Al on their leaf pile bed. He stares in a daze as ants tear apart a cicada nearby. Then he, realize the ma then he realizes the masked man is crouched beside him. Get up, the man says. Fight me. If you want to kill me, go ahead, Ed says dully. Get it over with. The man tilts his head. Do you want to die? Ed stares blankly up at the sky. No, he says eventually. I don't want to die. I'm not going to die. Later, smoke rises and Ed and Al stir back into consciousness again. The masked man has made a small fire and is cooking two fish over it. He offers them to Ed and Al. They snatch them away with a wary expression, but immediately begin to dig in. As the food fills their bellies, they begin to cry. Over another, much more successful survival montage, Ed and Al have a conversation. Remember when we talked about what would happen if we died here, Ed begins? Uh-huh, and I said everyone would be sad. Yeah, but that's a pretty self-centered way of looking at things. From a universal perspective, whether we live or die doesn't matter. The world will keep going as if nothing happened. We're just a small part of the world. Don't say small. Ouch. <laughs> anyway, once our lives are over, all that remains of us is our physical bodies. Water, carbon, ammonia, lime, phosphorus, sodium, potassium nitrate, sulfur, magnesium, fluoride, iron, silicone, manganese, and aluminum, right? Yeah, our bodies are nothing but a composite of those and a few other basic elements. Our fate is to one day be decomposed by bacteria and become nutrients for the plants. And the plants become food for herbivores, and the herbivores become food for carnivores. The cycle goes on and on, even when we aren't aware of it. Life is a complex cycle, so vast that we can't see it with our own eyes. Maybe it's the world, maybe it's the universe. But whatever it's called, you and I are only a tiny part of that great flow. One part of the whole. But all those individual parts come together so that whole can exist. And the cycle keeps flowing because all of nature follows this fundamental law. 
understanding that flow, deconstructing and then reconstructing. That's the meaning of alchemy. The sun rises, a snake slithers slowly up the tree bearing Ed's tally marks. Ed throws the knife, killing the snake and marking the last tally with the same stroke. 30 days, he says triumphantly. Izumi returns and stands in front of her would-be students. Today is the day we agreed upon, she says. Tell me the answer to one is all, all is one. All is the world, Al declares firmly, and Ed finishes with, one is me. Izumi looks surprised, then she begins to laugh. Okay then, let's move on to your real training. The boys cheer. They get on the boat, and as it pulls away from the shore, suddenly the masked man runs from the trees and jumps onto the boat, taking a seat behind them. Ed and Al understandably freak out, but Izumi greets them calmly and thanks him for the good work. This guy works for Sigami, she explains to the very confused kids. The man takes off his mask, and it's Mason. <laughs> he greets the boys cheerfully and introduces himself, telling them they did a good job and that he was trying to take it easy on them when they fought, but that's harder than you'd think. <laughs> Al points at him and gapes wordlessly. <laughs> I didn't want you guys to die, so I asked him to keep an eye on you, Izumi explains. Then why did you make him attack us? Al demands. <laughs> you idiot, a person's life is too short to waste even one month of, Izumi says. In order to train the spirit, you must first train the body. You were able to train your spirits and bodies at the same time. It was a month well spent, wouldn't you agree? The boys slump in wordless disbelief. Izumi warns them that the lessons are going to get much tougher now that she's their official teacher. Ed grows a little too brash. Lady, whatever you dish out will be a breeze compared to what we had to go through on that island. I ain't afraid of nothing. Izumi knocks him off the boat with a punch. And always address your teacher with respect, she says. <laughs> That's the end of chapter 22. <laughs> I love Ed saying, I feel death's embrace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <in> water. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Thinking mitt, perhaps. <laughs> 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 his insistence on calling her lady is hilarious yeah <laughs> and uh yeah ill thought out yeah they like run up to her and they're like old lady make us your apprentices <laughs> it's like that'll go over well she's like sorry this old lady didn't hear you and they're like we're sorry ma'am <laughs> or whatever yeah. they say in the translation i had while they're on the train they're singing like we're gonna train we're gonna train <laughs> but i just kept thinking you confused children you're in a train, you're in a train. <laughs> we're gonna train we're we're on it. You're on a trade. <laughs> I've seen a translation that like made it into a pun and had them go like training, training, like, <laughs> joking about being on a train and going to train. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that would make a pun in Japanese. Probably not. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I can look and see what it is, but <laughs> I do like. This is the first time somebody's spurted blood that I've actually laughed at in this series, <laughs> mm -hmm. most notably. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think. Uh, didn't that happen once to Ed in the hospital and oh yeah, asked that's about true. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did laugh about that. Yes, you're right. Well, it's it's a skill he learned from his teacher. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I do love how this series has like really serious violence and like really comedic violence, yes. and it's like always extremely clear which is which. Like there's a mm -hmm. sharp line drawn between slapstick and the whole. Non -slapstick. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it goes back and forth, but the whole most of the like fighting scenes on the island are pretty slapstick. Like, especially when he, mm -hmm. when Mason shows up at first and they're like, bah, and their faces are like insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, then this, the, there's the fight where they're, he's like trying to give them a fight, but they have lost the will to live, I guess, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, that one's a lot more serious, right? So, yeah. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. Because I feel like sometimes that can be jarring if there's like comedy violence and serious violence. But mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it, it's up to the reader, but I never find it jarring. I never find it jarring in this series. In fact, I didn't even think about it until I just said that. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, that part's pretty funny. And I was like, actually, there's parts of it that aren't. Actually, yeah. <laughs> now that I think about it. We learned a lot of things. In fact, when I also when I started writing notes for this, I was like, 
oh wait, all that other stuff happened at the beginning because I got so distracted yeah. by the training sequence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, first of all, we learned about Ed Nell's father, who mm -hmm. we haven't heard about yet until now. Yep. Mm -hmm. He has a name, and uh, I guess we saw the back of his head. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we saw like first. You can see that he has like a. Um, like a, not a goatee. What's it called? You can see the side of his beard or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can kind of see the shape of his, the side of his face, at mm -hmm. least. Yeah. And he's blonde. Zumi said specifically that he's blonde when they met mm -hmm. him. It's also crazy that they met him. <laughs> yeah. And we had I we we cut this bit. I asked because in the in the background, many chapters ago now, probably like five or six chapters ago, when Ed and I were in Central in the scene you were, mm -hmm. uh, like at the time you were just talking about Cosmo where Ed was in the hospital, when Rinri gets off the train. Izumi and Sager in the background. I don't mm. remember what chapter number it was, but yeah, you can see them like checking a train schedule. And I was like, hey, look at like, them. Oh, they were in Central. Hey, <laughs> there they were mm -hmm. a couple not that long ago. It turned out. Mm -hmm. So that's where they were traveling to, mm -hmm. and they ran into Ed and Al's father somehow. Yeah. So that means that he was probably there around the same time too. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's Al. Al asked what he was like. I guess. Well, I guess he kind of asked what he looked like, but Al seems a lot less harsh about their dad mm -hmm. than Ed does. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of more interested. Yeah. Also, I learned his name is Hohenheim. This is just a side note. Uh, that's the like birth name of uh, Paracelsus, who we talked about earlier in oh. regard to the alchemy in real life. So, mm. it's a real life alchemy reference there. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so we learned his name, Sohenheim. We learned that he left a long time ago before their mother died. Mm -hmm. An indefinite amount of time. It was a or an unspecified amount of time before their mother died. And then uh, yeah. then their mom died, which was sad. Mm -hmm. Very sad. Yep. You see how you know, how very young Ed and Al were when yes. all yeah. this was going down. <laughs> how young they were when they learned how to do alchemy on their own by reading books. Mm -hmm. Ed has like chump, ch like chubby child legs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's probably like four or five. Mm -hmm. He's got to be, like, I don't know. I'm not an expert in how you draw children to represent their age, but he's he's very young. Yeah, yeah. I'd top him off at like six, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which means Al's like five. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Most. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. It's very telling that uh, their mom was like, you understand all this? And they're kind of like, not really, but kind of, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but they just learned from reading Hohenheim's books, I guess. And he mm -hmm. was never around. Ed said he's a, he doesn't remember him doing any, any parental things for him. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that we learned about Hohenheim is that Izumi said his lifelong dream is about to come true. Yes. Whatever that is. So. And it made it sound like it was related to the Philosopher's Stone. Stone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And he left his children and his wife, so he must be a bad character. I mean, <laughs> so something nefarious is afoot. Also, he clearly has a... Oh, wait, he had glasses. That's how you know people are evil. Yeah, he does have mm -hmm. the evil uh, glasses glare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so on the topic of homunculi, um, I think if I remember correctly, before people understood how bebes were made, mm -hmm. they theorized that one of the two, the egg or the sperm, had an incomplete human, which they called a homunculus. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And that um, when it came in contact with the other gamete? Yeah, gamete. Um, that is when the, that homunculus started a process to become a full human. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was so... just like a little mini human like hanging mm -hmm. out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. So I know that 
previously, um, I don't know by the time, you know, alchemy was really sort of being studied, if that was still understood or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But um, I do know that, that that is the origin of the term. Swampers? Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Did you just know that or did you research that? No, that I remember that from, oh, you know what? I think, it, I think it's because I was in ninth grade when we were, when like Full Metal was coming out. Yeah. And they, I learned it there and I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, but I think because I had just grown an interest of that term from Full Metal, it just stuck with me very, uh, through all these years. As a side note, I'm on the Wikipedia page for Homunculus, and it has um, Paracelsus's method for Celsus's. Um, Every time you say that, I always think you mean Paracelsus. Like, yeah. Why are we I talking was, about yeah. digestion? Has his, yeah, has uh, Paracelsus's method for creating a homunculi, which is gross. What is it? Hmm. <laughs> it says that the sperm of a man be putrefied by itself in a seal cucerbit for 40 days with the highest degree of putrefaction in a horse's womb. Or at least what? so long as it comes to life and moves itself and stirs, which is easily observed. What? After this time, it will look somewhat like a man, but transparent, without a body. What? If after this, it be fed wisely with the arcanum of human blood and be nourished for up to 40 weeks and be kept in the even heat of the horse's womb, a living human child grows therefrom with all its members like another child, which is born of a woman, but much smaller. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember this in sex ed. <laughs> So hopefully that's not how they uh, did their human transmutation. Well, I guess we'll find out. See, when people talk about comprehensive sex ed, that's not usually what they mean, but <laughs> it's what they should. Yeah, I want to learn about all sex ed through all of time yeah. <laughs> and all levels of esoteric uh, thinking, please. Yeah. That's funny. Any, that's interesting. Of course, they do live in a little like country town. You can now go to one of the neighbors and be like, can we borrow one of your horses? Yeah, so they could probably acquire a horse. <laughs> Does the horse have to be alive? That wasn't specified in the method. It's not specified. It just says horse's womb. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the sperm has to be putrefied for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. In in the horse's womb or outside. Mm. Outside first, then, I think then outside, inserted. Yeah, and then inside. Yeah, I think outside and then more time in. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to feed it blood while still in the womb, apparently. Oh, does that mean you have to feed the horse blood? I don't know. Maybe you like. This is why I think it's all like a. <laughs> There's no point in debating, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I guess something yep. to look forward to figuring out next time on <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know any of these things. This is very interesting. Mm -hmm. I wonder what the. Where does the word homunculus actually come from? I mean, I think the, the etymology is just little human. Mm -hmm. That is um, what it. Yeah. That's what it seems mm. to be. Yeah. The origin is Latin. It's actually fairly, mi fairly modern since references to it don't appear prior to 16th century alchemical writings. Oh. Oh, really? <laughs> Although this has a citation needed, so. <laughs> <laughs> you don't believe Wikipedia? <laughs> yeah. But the other one says it first appears in uh, Paracelsus. Uh, Paracelsus. Hmm. Uh, it's really hard to. Maybe he made it up. Attribute. Paracelsus's. <laughs> Say his name? Alchemical writings, yeah. Well, saying the name is fine, but making like it a possessive, is... yeah. <laughs> Good thing there's not like multiple yeah. of them. Paracelsus apostrophe. Yeah. <laughs> Paracelsi. <laughs> so I also, um, I think the word homunculus has been used before then, probably as a different term. Hmm. 
but Cicero used it. And so Cicero? he was Yeah. Um that guy? Yeah, it definitely existed before, but I get I think it, it changed meanings. Um, well, how does Cicero use it? Is he doing alchemy? Secrets? I, th I think because I think it literally means a little man. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was more of just someone who is, you know, small? weak or or small. Mm. Yeah. Mm, interesting. So it had like a literal use, like beforehand, mm -hmm. but didn't get used as like a, yeah, a weird thing until. <laughs> I prefer until the alchemist got a hold of it. <laughs> adjective esoteric as a catch-all for everything. Well, <laughs> so, so the the. The culus part of the that word is kind of like how in Spanish I think cita is used oh. as sort of like a diminutive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it just it literally means like a yeah. little baby man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I feel like I learned an alchemy chat. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, this has been etymology chat. Yeah. But yeah, Ed describes it to Al as people made with alchemy, which I think is an interesting way to describe it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It reminded us of the the mind body like spirit thing that yep. alchemical theory talks about mm -hmm. and also they knew that it was extremely dangerous and illegal mm -hmm. as children mm -hmm. oh that was something i wanted to ask um was the they said what we we didn't think it was wrong we just wanted to see mom mm -hmm. again um is that a good translation or was cool. it more of we didn't care sort of like we didn't care whether it was right or wrong we just wanted to see I don't know. That might be um, beyond my comprehension. Mm, but I can enough. check. Well, the the direct wording in the translation is we didn't think that creating a life was wrong. So. Mm. Mm -hmm. It seems like they know it was forbidden, but didn't really like get why because they're kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. And also, like, the rest of the conversation, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for it, but they're also like, wouldn't everybody be happy if someone who died came back to life? Like, that kind mm -hmm. of... That's true, yeah. Yeah, just a very like childish understanding of. I think it's pretty good. the The sentence is, "Semeo tsukuri dasu koto ni nanno utagai mo nakata." So, seme is life. So, we didn't think that creating life. We didn't have any. We didn't have any doubts, or we we didn't have any uncertainty, about creating life. We. We wanted to see our mother again. Taramo something, yeah. Yeah, taramo We just want to see our mother one more time. We wanted to see our mother one more time. Yeah. So yes, I would say yes. For once, yeah. for once, I don't disagree. <laughs> Good to know. It does use an interesting. I don't know how to. Um, I don't know the specifics of this, but Kazum, did you learn the word skuru? That's to make yeah yeah so it uses a different con uh kanji than the normal not normal but i guess maybe the more commonly used one and sometimes mm -hmm. different kanji have different connotation i don't know anything about this one specifically i just think it's interesting mm -hmm. it when you look at the like sentence search for that specific kanji on jisho it's like um like sometimes it's the same word i guess can have the same pronunciation and the same general mm -hmm. meaning but it can use different kanji and that can change the connotation so, yeah. like, the example sentences here on Jishou are, according to the Bible, God made the world in six days. All men are created equal. Not all men are created equal. This is a problem of his own making. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. So it's, like, has the connotation of creation, I guess. I don't know. Mm, I, yeah. Like I said, I'm not familiar with this kanji. I just think it's interesting. It's, like, pronounced the same way, but uses a different kanji. So, mm -hmm. so anyway, that was interesting. But, yeah, I agree. For once, I agree. <laughs> in summary. 
Like, what were we talking about? Ed and Mel. Ed Mel's child child morality. Morality. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, yeah. It's interesting because it's like, it shouldn't be wrong. I can see the logic. It's like, it shouldn't be wrong Mm -hmm. to create life. But I think it's just like, the complexity of life is lost on a child. Like, that's the situation. Mm -hmm. So, actually, I have um, something while while going through this again. Just because their whole lesson, all is one and one is all. Mm. Um, I mean, because again, you know, the, the the whole concept of alchemy is equivalent exchange and how you can't get something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the equivalent exchange for life is that when you die, you become part of, of the, the cycle again and mm-hmm. you give life to other creatures. When we right, die, our is... bodies become the grass <laughs> and the antelope eat the too, grass. Yes. I had to restrain myself so hard when you were going through that like, part. I was trying to figure out where I could put that joke in, but it was you know, a serious speech. It's too so serious, I, yeah, I yeah, know. I decided I'd wait. But... Um. <laughs> the inevitability of death is also a message in The Lion King, yes. Yes. <laughs> I joke, but that uh, concept from The Lion King did have a pretty impa- profound impact on me as a child versus mm-hmm. like, understanding mortality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think it did for everybody who saw it when they were a tiny child, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good lesson too, mm-hmm. and especially with with Mufasa's voice narrating that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, James Earl Jones, the master. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I think specifically the like our bodies become the grass and the antelope be the, the grass. grass. Like really struck me. I was like, oh yeah, yeah that is true. <laughs> kind of goes back, goes back to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I think. If you consider that as sort of the equivalent exchange for life, that might explain why you can't succeed mm. in a human transmutation. Is you interrupt that that exchange that's already sort of in process. Mm. Um, mm. That's an interesting. And I have thought. more. I'm going to build upon it later when more is revealed. Okay. About mm-hmm. the well, well, because um, I think it's I think it's next chapter, but mm. um, they talk about sort of yeah. Anyway. Yeah, there's more things mm-hmm. happen. I, I peeked mm-hmm. ahead. I was like, no, I refuse to read this until I read these other, mm-hmm. these until we talk about these three. But I'm really excited to read the next part because oh yeah, yeah something is about to happen. They did allude to it in this chapter though yes. with Izumi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, that's an interesting. Yes. That's an interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting. Um, Take yeah. No, like overall idea, I guess theme mm-hmm. from the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah i think it's something that like i think we've seen a couple kind of mm, like sort of not direct um sort of references to the concept and i think it will continue to get built on of like what is like the equal like trade value of a human life mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well they even made some interesting uh there was like their hot goss when they were children <laughs> or maybe it's not hot goss they're like little they're like, didn't you hear the story about this guy or this thing? Like, there was a story about a man in the East who wiped out a whole area trying to create a human life, right? So mm-hmm. there's the rumor that I have a sinking suspicion might be true <laughs> based on a lot of things that have happened so far. But yeah, there's so they they there were these other like hints of that too. Like, what exactly mm-hmm. is the the worth of a life? Yeah, the yeah. Uh... <laughs> I didn't mention it during the summary, but the most important thing we learned from these chapters is that the movie The Fly exists in Full Metal Alchemist <laughs> <Yeah. Christ> Universe. <laughs> I was like, oh, right, movies exist. This is like, we we pinned this as like the kind of 1940s, 50s, or 1940s, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I'm going to guess this version doesn't star Jeff Goldblum, though. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's alternate universe Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> he could exist. <laughs> I laughed really, really loud when I was editing the um, the last episode and we made that joke about Danny DeVito being <laughs> about the, um, Phil from Hercules being yeah. half, mm-hmm. half man, half goat, all Danny DeVito. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway... This is big celebrity <laughs> corner. <laughs> it's like come for our outdated celebrity references. All our references are outdated because we're because we're like old. <laughs> yeah, say our our nineties celebrity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Jeff Goldblum's—they're both still in stuff all the time, though. People should yeah. know them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, so That's I got true. the great idea, the brilliant idea to create a homunculus to bring their mother back, and then they decided mm-hmm. to. I like how the um the transition from the present to the past where it's like all of these different things happened. Mm-hmm. Well, the, I mean, actually, I think uh, Arakawa used the same thing twice. It was kind of like the transition back to the to the to the past where Izumi's like, "Tell me what happened," and it was like they ch- Izumi trained them like before I became a state alchemist before they did the failed transmutation because we saw him clutching at his leg, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we also saw all these other things that happened in their childhood, like Hohenheim left and Winry's parents died and all this, their mom was sick and died. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're all like moments that you could see as like, like serious turning points in their lives. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Get them to this point. They're kind of interesting in the whole like, where should I start kind of. Yeah, they yeah. were unfortunately sort of exposed to a lot of death as children. Yeah. And that definitely shaped their desire. I feel like mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that's interesting about Izumi is that she recognized that in them or recognized that there was something they were trying to do mm-hmm. by learning alchemy. So mm-hmm. that she felt like she needed to set them on the right path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was she successful? Uh, obviously, obviously not. But <laughs> can we talk about how Izumi and how great she is? I did like oh unrelated to Izumi. I like that Sig patted them both on the head, and I actually yeah. enjoyed Sig a lot. And I like how yeah. the kids were all like running around him. That was hilarious. That was a little mm-hmm. hilarious, like little touch in that scene. That was yeah, <laughs> it was really funny to me. I think uh, I think Izumi and Sig are uh, relationship goals. Definitely, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's there holding her umbrella while she's like kicking ass, sticking names, doing alchemy, saving mm-hmm. the town from flooding. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then coughing up blood everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I like how he's like a big scary dude, but he's nice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then she was upset, it turned out, about Ed joining the military. That's the first thing she says to him yeah. when they show up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Izumi um, also has a tattoo, like the the shape that's on Ed's jacket, the flamel cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's on Al's armor too, so... I don't know if that's just like a thing that everybody, all alchemists, like have in Fullmetal Alchemist, but they mm-hmm. certainly do. So, yeah, uh, not 100% sure, but I think they're the only ones you see it on. Yeah. It makes it seem kind of like a, a master apprentice. Kind it of does thing. seem like that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> on that note, they call her, so I looked at, because they call her Sensei, uh, or like, well, I assume they called her Sensei. I looked at what they called her in Japanese, and they actually call her, the kanji says Shisho, which is another word mm-hmm. for like a master. Uh, much like in Shisho and Fullmetal, or in a Fruits Basket, as we've read mm-hmm. many times. But um, 
So like a master uh instructor of some kind. Mm-hmm. It has the Furigana Furigana sense for sensei, but like I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. So they do <laughs> call her something respectful. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know. I haven't stop, stop calling her lady. Lady stop calling her lady. Yeah. I I don't I haven't seen the anime in a long time, so I don't know if they actually call her Shisho or call her Sensei, but um I think it might be Shisho, but I cannot remember. I don't know. I feel like I might have gone I feel like I remember being like, Oh, oh it's that sure. word. But I never heard that word before. I'm not hundred percent sure. <laughs> I'd have to check. I'd have to check. But I mean I would expect that. It's just like I think in the I guess maybe it's not a maybe it's not like a common thing that people say or something and so that's why the Arakawa uses the um Furigana for sensei. Let's see if I'm logged into my Netflix. <laughs> Pick a random yeah. scene with Izumi and let's find out. Yeah. Hang on, I gotta listen to this kick ass opening. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which one is it? Uh it's the second one, I think. <laughs> but will it ever be as kick ass as Ready Steady Go? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> the most important thing about the first FMA anime. Mm-hmm. The only worthwhile thing, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wow, such a burn. I should probably watch Brotherhood. Maybe after we finish. It had some really movie. good uh, openings, and mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I know he's saying sensei. Okay. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. interesting. It could be yeah. that she just uses that uh, kanji mm-hmm. to more yeah. communicate how great of how because Zumi is essentially like a super powerful alchemist. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe, maybe they call her sensei, but Arakawa chooses to use the title Shisho to more like imply how good, how mm-hmm. how skilled she is, or something. Yeah, she's also like a mal- an alchemy master and like a martial arts master. Yes, so. yes, she's a master of two things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she could be a martial arts Shisho, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and an alchemy Shisho. But yeah, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. even know why I looked that up, but I thought it was. <laughs> it's because they use in their dialogue, they call her teacher so frequently that I was like, okay, like usually in, I feel like in translations, when people call people sensei, they don't. I don't know. It must be a difficult thing to translate because we don't really do that, use that kind yeah. of title, unless you just put sensei after their thing <laughs> in, yeah. in the, like, yeah. in the, you know. Or you call them great teacher, Mayuko. Like in Ruba. Yes. <laughs> I move motion to call her great teacher, Izumi, from now on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so Izumi is, yes, she's clearly very skilled at martial arts and very skilled at alchemy. And she mm-hmm. also knows the secret technique that Ed knows to mm-hmm. be able to do alchemy without using a transmutation circle, which she demonstrated when she created the like levee for the river, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like a huge thing that she built too, so it was oh, it yeah. was quite mm-hmm. impressive. So I do think she is very skilled. I think that's demonstrated, in, yeah, in these scenes. Yeah, this is the first time we've really seen the um, the no circle alchemy as like something like other people can do. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've seen people comment on it as like something unique, but this is the first time we've seen it as like like it's a like Azumi sees as like a big deal, and it's like indi- mm-hmm. indicative yes. of more than just like a high skill level. Yeah, she looked very <laughs> upset when. When it was became clear that Ed could do alchemy without a transmutation circle, mm-hmm. and interrogated him about it, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, like I think until now we've just had the impression where it's like, oh, he's just that good. Yeah. yeah. At alchemy, that he can do that. Mm-hmm. But now she's like, you've seen that thing. Which... <laughs> yeah, they talked about it very prominently. That thing, yeah. something bad, mm-hmm. obviously, because she's very uncomfortable <laughs> with the fact that he has seen it. And also, Izumi mm-hmm. or not, uh, Al doesn't know about it, which is also interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Because that knows a lot about alchemy. Well, so. but I think it, Sig was just as confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he doesn't yeah, really know both, about it either. Yeah, which, I mean, I don't like... know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they didn't really say, it doesn't really say if, like, Sig knows how to do alchemy or whatever. But, I mean, I guess he knows enough through Izumi. But, yeah, he mm -hmm. was confused about it, too. So mm -hmm. there's something that Ed and Izumi know that nobody else knows, seems to, that we've met so far seems to know. Yeah. They mm -hmm. did briefly think that uh, Scar was doing alchemy without a alchemy circle but it turns out that he's just doing his like just he's only deconstructing or whatever right well he's got uh, the tattoo yes on his arms tattoo, that yeah. serve as the uh, alchemy array or whatever yeah i don't even know it's not really a circle but <laughs> well i guess it's in a circle around his arm maybe <laughs> i don't know i mean well he doesn't really do he doesn't reconstruct anyway so like yeah i mean it leads me to believe that you don't really need a complete transportation circle to do that but i don't know <laughs> I'm not an alchemy expert or whatever. Don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> he only he can only do the technique with his arm that's tattooed, though. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of tattoos in FMA. I'm just now thinking about it. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen Lust and like, Envy in any of them in a while. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, of tattoos. Yeah. I'm sure they're off causing havoc somewhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, that's havoc. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I liked your joke. Thank you. <laughs> they blew up a library and <laughs> they killed a man. They were busy yeah. killing Hughes. <laughs> You're like, don't mm -hmm. remind me. Blew up a library and killed the man who seemed to be on to them, and at least uh, got Scar out of commission. So I guess they're feeling pretty good right now. Probably they're <laughs> off celebrating their victory with Papa, yeah. whoever Papa is, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Daddy. No, what do they just call him? Father. <laughs> Father. I called him Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> it would be way creepier if they called him Daddy. Papa or Daddy. Papa. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh, <laughs> sorry, I just went on a rant about the uh, Lust and Co. Yeah, we were talking about tattoos. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, Izumi. Let's talk about Izumi more because yeah. she's still great. And I still haven't finished saying all <laughs> things I wanted to say about her yet. Yeah. We learned, um, oh, she has these like injuries. Or, like, uh, mm -hmm. some kind of condition that causes her to cough up blood all the time and be, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I guess weak, but it doesn't seem like that. But maybe she's weaker than she used to be or something. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's still able to kick Ed's ass and Al's ass. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It seems like that's been going on for a while because she did it. Ed and Al are like, I mean, we see in the flashback and also like Ed and Al are like, oh, I wonder if she got sick again. Mm -hmm. They seem like it was like common while they were training with yeah. her. Yeah. Mm hmm. It certainly seems like that's the case. So mm -hmm. it's been going on since they've known her, at least. Mm -hmm. We also learned that Ed... I mean, not Ed. We also learned that uh, Izumi had a son who would yes. be around the same age as Ed now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is tragic, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I appreciated the way you described it as Ed innocently asking why she doesn't have kids and whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then everybody being like, let's go do alchemy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like that scene with them. Like, you can Mason. see, like, Mason, yeah, mm -hmm. Mason, like, yeah. interrupting, like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mason seems like a nice guy who was willing to torture children on a desert island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he's like, yeah, let's go do the thing. Ha, 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 ha. And, um, mm -hmm. but Izumi seemed okay. Obviously, there's still some pain there, but. Yeah. Um, seemed like she was happy for Ed now, so. Mm -hmm. I guess they seemed, Izumi and Ed now seem to have a, some kind of, like, close relationship. I think it's, like. I don't know, like, they know each other really well. So, obviously, I mean, mm -hmm. we haven't seen the end. We only saw the first month of their training, but... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think I think 
they kind of hint at it like uh, Azumi kind of sees them as her children like mm. what they could have been mm. and so I think she has that connection at least to some degree mm-hmm. um yeah and while we've seen like Edna be like terrified of her like leading <laughs> up to this at the same time like once they're you know like talking on good terms they're like you know eager to show off what they've learned mm, and yeah talk about where they've been and everything mm-hmm. and tell them tell her potentially about all the awful things that they've done <laughs> to know mm-hmm. yeah. which is like what's gonna I guess happen next time because that was the end yeah. of the chapter right Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the end was when they left their training, but that was the end of the conversation where we left it in the present, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah, I hated to stop there, but there's no way I'm doing like five chapters in one. No. But... <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's okay. I'm gonna read them after this. So because I was just like, oh, I'm like, oh, but the stuff that comes next is so good. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's separate, and you can't. You can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. No. Yeah. It was a good stopping point. We ended on a somewhat high note, I guess, of them getting off, yeah. surviving, and getting off the island. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I liked that um, in these chapters we see her in the present kind of like doing some of the things that I think we've seen uh, like about how people should approach alchemy I guess that we've seen in mm-hmm. other chapters like she tries to fix she <laughs> sloppily fixes the train by hand the toy mm-hmm. by hand and is like you shouldn't rely on alchemy to do everything which we kind of saw last time when Ed couldn't fix the bridge um, yeah like basically alchemy didn't do anything the last whatever three chapters that we read <laughs> They tried mm-hmm. to use Alchemy to catch Panidia, and they couldn't, and then in the end, Winry is the one who saved the day with the baby and whatever, so. Um, so that was interesting to see again. And then also, of course, the reminder that Alchemy can't just bring people back to life. Or cats. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. So, so and it's it's interesting because Zumi, on top of Ed and Al respecting her, obviously, it seems like the people in Dublin respect her, too, and they're all... Mm-hmm. All yeah. the kiddos are coming to her yeah, for the advice. the kids all like her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and their skitter sig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's so depressed about it. I know. It. <laughs> it was really funny and cute. They're listening her like this Ed's like really tacky horse statue. Like, yeah. We've seen we've yes. seen a bit of like of Ed's very like edgy teenage sense of style before, but this is like the most like blatant so far. It's a horse with like horn it has like horns and wings and like um fangs. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I like how Al is like, I do have a problem with your crazy horse. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. I like Izumi fighting bears in the mountains. That was also important. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I had to spend time in the mountains. <laughs> Sigurd's like, don't compare, compare yourself to normal people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy it a lot of, actually a lot of the visuals in these panels are good. I didn't make any specific comments, but I really enjoyed all their like Ed and Al's crazy like facial expressions when they were tiny ch- children mm-hmm. trapped on the island mm-hmm. and they're freaking out. Yeah. Or being sad, extremely sad about it. <laughs> yeah. There's when when Mason shows up the first time in the as in the mask and stuff, he's like looming over them, and it's everything's in mm-hmm. shadow, but you can see like the whites of their eyes and stuff are really yeah. highlighted. And there's some really good. Um, I mean, Arakawa has this very interesting and I feel like very skillful approach with like shadows and like shading and stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't think of other um, something else specific, but I feel like that was highlighted in these chapters a lot. Yeah. You're right that she always kind of chooses these like very square or like very simple panels for for the most part, but they're mm-hmm. always interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like the one specific thing I'm thinking of is like the office when they're Ed and Al are in the office at night, and it's like mm-hmm. one. It's basically like a full page, but the the um the office it 
like the full the full page is taken up by the office, but it's split into multiple panels that are like diagonal and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. still kind of broken up visually, which is nice. And I think it kind of also adds to the kind of like implication that they were there all the time because like almost like multiple yeah. times that they're there yeah. mm-hmm. at night, late at night studying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this couple scenes like kind of have the effect of like a montage mm-hmm. of them like learning alchemy, like the yeah. the bit of them like at school and then walking <laughs> that was also really talking funny. at them. They're like arguing about what to do, and then the teacher's like, "Um, <laughs> excuse me." <laughs> One detail I like in that is that Winry is also asleep at her yes. desk and not paying attention because yeah. it's like she, it's like she's also bored and kind of a prodigy, <laughs> like they are. Yes, difference. <laughs> <laughs> Winry's obviously very of, smart. Yeah, yeah. I think it kind of builds up the comment that Ed had where it said like she read medical books as a, as a child mm. the same way they read alchemy mm-hmm. books. <laughs> so. Yes, they're clearly all very intelligent. Mm-hmm. intelligent little children and the also the it was like very simple like math on the board too <laughs> which yeah. Is like yeah multiplication <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're like what if we do it this way i think we should approach it in this way <laughs> like yeah yeah it's really funny when they said they wanted to go train when in the background tearing up too so yeah mm-hmm. and i like the confirmation that like you know, Panaco's been looking after them since yes. the, the mother died. Somebody was. Well, mm-hmm. Winry was like, oh, we're having stew tonight when they left. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Panaco steps in when they ask to be their, ask to be her, uh, their, her apprentice, Zumi's apprentices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, I'll just fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I know there's some, like, um, bloopers for um, Full Malcolm's Brotherhood with the uh, dub cast. Really? And some of them are just them like saying silly things instead of actual bloopers. And they have that scene where she says like, "Like grandma's making stew tonight," and Al like turns around and goes like, "Yay, stew!" or something like that. But in the bloopers, he he goes, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> 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 it's like every time I see it, it's like we're making stew tonight. Fuck, Fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I feel like Al would be that excited about stew. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody would, it would be Al. I like how Ed's comments about Ed's comment about stew is that someone figured out how to add milk to it and make it not taste awful, mm-hmm. and then we continue <laughs> to see his struggle with milk as a tiny child, where he's like yeah. <laughs> grumpily staring at the full glass of milk or the full bottle of milk while Al's drinking his <laughs> mm-hmm. when they were tiny children at some point. That's why Al's taller than me. Yeah, really. <laughs> I like how they're like, "Oh, you've grown," and then inside we're like, "Oh, he's just a pseudo armor." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I was gonna be sassed. I'm like, you wouldn't notice. You would think that I wouldn't notice that you're your footsteps sound different and that you're like mm-hmm. you're completely hollow <laughs> mm-hmm. I also love Alan his big suit of armor body trying to like sneak yes. away from Azumi <laughs> his little mm-hmm. wrists up stepping away mm-hmm. slowly <laughs> everything they said about their about Izumi came true when they showed up <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it was all true in the end <laughs> like I wonder he's like what kind of teacher is this person <laughs> what kind of person is yeah. this teacher rather <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Azumi's the rare uh, character that lives up to all the build-ups yeah. when there's been that kind yeah. of build-up. <laughs> yes, she definitely lives up to the hype. Yeah, and I really like her. She's everything I wanted and more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like her very much, yes. Mm-hmm. But also, so, um, I guess when they were in the hospital and they were kind of upset, they just started like, oh, and then also when they got their bodies fixed, uh, they kind of just sparred out of you know, kind of out of the blue. Mm. Um, and you can kind of see where they get it yeah. from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's part Can't of their training. Time. Gotta train your body. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> train your body and your spirit. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's just part of Izumi's philosophy. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, we don't know. We haven't met any other. Well, we met Sho Tucker. He was a super academic alchemist. Something bad happened to him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and Dr. Marco. <laughs> Same situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, none of the other alchemists we've seen seem to have quite the. Um... Uh, conflation with martial arts that, um, <laughs> only Armstrong Izumi, but that's because uh, it was passed down the Armstrong line or whatever <laughs> yeah that Izumi emphasizes yeah no she was she she came up in the mountains fighting bears it's obviously important yeah. <laughs> also she can do crazy things that like we've never seen Armstrong make a whole fucking like a giant levy huh can he do mm-hmm. that hmm can the beautiful Armstrong technique do that hmm 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 <laughs> he'd probably make a smaller but much more elegant wall <laughs> <laughs> like perfectly formed bricks all over it and mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like roman style columns and... <laughs> and then ed would make one with that shaped like his face or whatever <laughs> yeah have like dragons on the, <laughs> on the side <laughs> um it is interesting that like Izumi comments specifically about their transmutations uh, specifically about owls that he's gotten more accurate and faster so it seems like mm-hmm. they're, I guess that this we've returned or deepened the idea of alchemy being like a skill that's learned rather than just like something magic or something that you, mm-hmm. or something you just know or whatever. And I guess kind of another thing that's a very small thing that's interesting is that Al, Ed and Al seem to really get interested in alchemy. It was partially, I mean, I think they were just, I guess they were just interested in it, but like their mom's praise seems to have really driven them to continue to pursue it. So. Mm-hmm. And of course, impacted them after she died as well. Yeah, I kind of wonder if the initial curiosity came out of some like desire to find learn something about the like father that's never there. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. like messing around in his office or get his attention or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then like when their mother praised them. They're like, "Oh, this is good." <laughs> <laughs> oh, reading all these strange esoteric texts and not understanding them and then making stuff is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we learned about their sad family life. <laughs> I don't think I have any other things that I wanted to say for now. Mostly just that Izumi is great. Oh, except mm-hmm. for her. I mean, I feel like maybe her dropping two children off on an island might be a lapse in judgment, but... Well, she did She did have a guardian That's true. present. He only mm-hmm. tortured them a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's part of their training. Make sure they didn't die. He did. He did give yeah. them fish. Mm-hmm. He did make sure they didn't die. So. Yeah, I feel like knowing that Izumi like, went through a similar... like. <laughs> Even harsher apprenticeship explains like why she would be like, yeah, this is a good. Yes, idea. <laughs> she was also an adult though, so yeah. <laughs> but she's like, no, you want to be an alchemist. You got to be like an adult. You need to understand the exchange yeah. of the flow of life. It's very important. She, and she's like, well, they're kids, so I'll drop them off on a nice, uh, safe island instead of in the mountains with. Bears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, she's like, there's plenty of food to their, there. To their child, to their young age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess it could have been even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay they survived yeah so um there was something i was going to talk about last time but i was just too tired and felt that i wouldn't be able to do it justice mm-hmm. um and there's so uh, i think it was a couple of sessions ago you asked what would our uh alchemist names oh. be and like oh what yeah we work on <laughs> yeah i um, edited it out of the episode but yes i did oh did you that's fine okay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I thought about it, and I have two answers. Okay. One I can't tell you yet. Okay. Because it is, uh, it's based on something that hasn't happened yet. Okay. But it was 
based on not understanding what they explained, but um, okay, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's something that I so like thought of. I'm like, oh, this could work. Okay, and it's the closest I ever made to making fan fiction. <gasps> I know. So I would eventually, like to read your fan fiction. <laughs> I never actually wrote it. You should, but uh, I don't know. I had it in my mind. Yeah. An then you can be part but, um, of the Hugo Award. <laughs> yeah. You can become a Hugo Award winning author. <laughs> Wouldn't you want that? <laughs> okay. But um the other one is based off of I guess what happened in the uh the Rush Valley episodes, only in the original anime. Okay. Um, because I think what happens is, you know, that they're they're getting things ready. And Winry asks them to boil some water. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Al or Ed uses alchemy to heat up the, the water. The water. Which, um, so if I were to be an alchemist, I probably would use some sort of weird application like that. <laughs> like learning to, to utilize pressure and temperature as sort of, I'm just sort of going with that, see what I could do with something sort of not necessarily as practical, but more specialized. Okay. So I think I would do something like that, but I don't know if that's actually canon because it only happened in, in <laughs> the one anime. I mean, but it kind of doesn't seem like you could do that with alchemy based on what we heard about alchemy because you can't really like you're not deconstructing it; you're just heating up, making yeah. the molecules move faster. Is that yeah, the same thing? Like I don't know. I don't know. Um, but you could be you could so, be the boiling water alchemist I mean, if you like... wanted to. <laughs> I mean, Roy's alchemy is about like that's changing the okay, yeah, like air it, molecules and fire. stuff. So. Well, I think and it's, then, it's and then sparking them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I guess you could technically do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's probably what I would do. Something along those lines. Okay. Um, mine was much simpler. I just <laughs> I decided that my my alchemy name would be the Cast Iron Alchemist. Because I would like cook, because I cook stuff. Like I would. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh right, and then the the name I could come up. Yeah, with, I thought you were gonna uh, pick a name. That's is... where this whole conversation well, was going. <laughs> so I could I could get like a little uh, Zelda reference in because they call him the hero of the wind. Uh-huh. So I'll just be the alchemist of the wind. Okay. And bam. And then use air. Yeah, just like pressure and yeah. and, and uh, temperature and all that sort of. Make wind. And, the windy I don't know. alchemist. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Kayla hasn't thought about it. I mean, <laughs> no, I was recapping. <laughs> it takes time, yes. I like it. Okay, well, we'll return later, I'm sure, with more alchemy, alchemist names, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, next week, um, Sweet Relief, we're only doing chapters 23 and 24. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet relief for you. The rest yes. of us want to read more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I guess we can read ahead. I just always, I'm worried about getting confused of things yeah. that didn't happen yet. Yeah. So I always wait. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm waiting with everybody, with all the listeners. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had trouble with that with Fruits Basket because I'd be like, did I already read that or do I just remember it from yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I read it? I know Film Elephants pretty well, so I don't get it as confused about what's happened yet. But <laughs> I mean, even I forget the order of some things that happened. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, good. Well, I'm excited about next time because of all the things that we learned this time. So, yes. yeah. You know, I want to know what Ed knows and Izumi knows that nobody else seems to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Mysterious. There's some, 
scenes I'm excited to recap. So. Ooh, good. Well, that's good because that's what you'll be doing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I mean, <laughs> I want to be the last one. <laughs>